On this episode of Resi Week, Charlie Kindle joins Control 4, Control 4 releases a new intercom anywhere, and Sonos has a successful IPO. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 131, Rockstar. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Bob Archer. He is the senior editor of CE Pro. How are you, sir? Good, and yourself? Doing fantastic. Thanks for joining us for your first time. It's going to be a party. Uh, then we have Joe Whitaker. He is the president and owner of The Thoughtful Home, The Thoughtful Restaurant, The yeah, everything else. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing thoughtful. Oh, very nice. <laughs> 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 then we have Colleen Leith. She is the president and founder of Marketing Matters. How are you, ma'am? I am great, Matt. Good to be here with you today. Thank you for joining us today. And last but certainly not least, we have Brad Heinz. He is the senior director of product, uh, senior director of product marketing for Control Four. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. So happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm very happy you are here because this has been a bit of a, uh, a Control Four heavy news week. We are going to kick things right off with a story that comes to us from The Verge. The former Alexa smart home chief and Windows Media Center founder has joined, joined Control 4. If you missed this, this was all over uh, the, the industry press and the press in general. Charlie Kindle has joined forces with Control 4 and is going to start working with them as their senior director of uh, product. Brad, I want to start with you directly on this. This is obviously, uh, it's a huge get for Control 4 to bring in someone of Charlie's caliber uh, all you have to do is, you know, search him on LinkedIn or, or just Google search the guy and you see his pedigree. It is not, uh, you know, just a, a very short, you know, tech lifestyle. He's been in this for a long time behind Windows Media Center and home server. Uh, he's behind uh, essentially the Echo and Alexa. He did a ton of work with that. He has worked within the industry uh, or with the industry, I should say, with uh, a, a couple of manufacturers, I'm sure working with uh, how to integrate Alexa into their products and work with their products. But for, for Control 4 to get him, to, to, to maybe steal him away a little bit, um, this is a huge deal, not only for Control 4, but also for the industry. How big of a, a, a deal is this from the inside? How excited are you guys about this? Oh, we're very excited to have someone that has such deep experience um, and, you know, when our uh, former SVP of product announced his retirement at late last year, um, we, you know, Martin, he, he'll tell you that he was nervous about finding somebody that has the hardware and the software experience and, and pulling them, uh, trying to pull them together and ship, uh, ship a whole big platform. But to go even further, you know, when you're a manufacturer in this space, you have a two-sided market. You need to be able to speak to consumers, but you also need to be able to do it in a way that you are keeping your dealer channel happy 
you're delivering products for them so that they can help grow their business. And, and he's got that two-sided experience, albeit with a lot of software developers, right, mm -hmm. in that development community, and then end consumers on the other side. So we're really excited to have somebody that's so customer-centric, but also is really deeply committed to the channel as well. Very good. Colleen, when we look at this hire, um, as I kind of mentioned in the intro, this is a really big get for the industry. And, and I want to phrase this appropriately, and I probably won't, so bear with me and hopefully you can clean this up. <laughs> but does this legitimize or, or does this help legitimize our industry and our channel when we're able to grab and, and grab talent of this level and bring him from Amazon into the CI channel? Because we don't see that as often. We hardly ever see that. I can't even think of another instance in which we've had such a, a, a large, high-profile person come into our small little industry. I think we are legitimate. We always have been. But this really does increase the – and will increase the awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's – I think that uh, consumers need to become more aware of the ability to call somebody – to put in your home technology as you would call a plumber or an electrician. And uh, that awareness, uh, I think Charlie is going to be a big help in bringing that change about. Very good. Joe, I, I, I saved the hard question for you. Um, and then Bob's <laughs> going to get a softball because uh, it's his first time. But Joe, and, and obviously you're not, you, you don't work for Control 4, but you are a Control 4 dealer. You've been around Control 4 for a long time. How long before we start to really see uh, his impact? How, how long is that going to be? And I asked you because Brad won't give me a straight answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's an interesting kind of thing to me because I've worked with Brad before on some marketing, some launch stuff uh, in the past. I think uh, might have been the package stuff and like the EA5 and there were some things that I've worked with Brad on. So I know from experience the way Brad's mind works. And I know <laughs> I, I, I got classes with Charlie Kendall last year for Amazon. And I'd already started picking his brain then. I think that we're already starting to see some of the influence. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, there's dances that happen before somebody comes on board. There's some some feeling out of mind and don't think that I don't think for one second that one of what I consider one of the longest stalls for control Four, which was intercom everywhere. Um, that was stalled for like two years. Don't think for one second that I don't think that that guy had a little something to do with it. I think we're already starting to see a shift in marketing and product proposition. Now we're already starting to see it. And to me, when I start thinking about new releases, where he comes from, where he went, where things were lacking, I mean, I, I would say there, there's probably going to be services announcements within the next six to nine months. I think there's going to be that big of a transgression because you take a rock star in at that level with the actual, actual rock star product, I mean, engineering team control for already has, you put that together, I mean, sky's the limit. That's just, that's my perspective on it. Bob, when we look at this, when we look at him coming in, we know this is going to be good for the industry in general. But what, what, is the, what is the additional, you know, added benefit of, again, a high-profile gentleman such as himself coming over? Is this something where we're going to hopefully start to see more high-caliber, you know, talented people 
looking at the channel and saying, hey, you know, uh, I, I can see myself working there. Uh, first of all, I think it, it validates Control 4's work in uh, home control and, and voice control. And uh, if they're able to parlay this into something that really grabs hold of the mainstream consumer market, it certainly will attract a wider array of talent out there in other market categories. Very good. All right, let's move on to our next story. And Joe already kind of teased this. Uh, we we're going to try and tie these together, but they're both fairly large stories. So we're splitting <laughs> them up. Uh, this comes to us from CE Pro and Julie Jacobson. Control 4's new intercom anywhere elevates the smart doorbell. If you haven't seen this, it is their uh, you know native built-in DS2 video door station that allows you to you know connect uh, you ring that doorbell, it connects on your app. You can see that anywhere in the world. The big difference is one, it's native to the Control 4 platform, and two, that it allows you to tie a bunch of other uh, automation into that doorbell press and the the app side of things. Colleen, I'm going to start with you on this. We've seen video doorbells you know, now for quite a while. Yes, we have. How important is it, because currently there really isn't anyone who has a fully native whole home automation platform that has a, you know, native doorbell. How important is it to actually finally, you know, see this in the field as far as a native system that doesn't require third party interfaces? I think this is huge. And to Joe's earlier point, you know, Charlie may have had something to do with getting this up and running. You know, it's, it seems a little bit more than coincidence. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big deal, you know, to have both those intercom capabilities as well as all of, it has everything any other doorbell product has plus. So that's going to be a significant offering and point of differentiation to those dealers who are, are you know, working with homeowners. I think this product would be very well received. Very good. Joe, you mentioned this, you brought this up. Um, Again, this is a native product. What is the what is the major benefit of having a native product within the ecosystem that is not third party? Is it strictly just that you're getting, you know, obviously that added automation, but that you're getting speed of not having to interface with another device or another API? Well, that, that's a, that's a good point because you look at you know my company over. Over a long history of, of doing this with the old control four door station, going into playing with, you know, August stuff, doorbell stuff, uh, doorbird stuff, ring stuff, you know, where we had that fight where the closest thing we could get was doorbird. I've got to get it shipped from Germany. And the driver is made by a third party and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, being able to bring that all together to me is pretty important, but what I find it strange, and this wasn't like on the beta or, or, or pre-announcements or anything else, was actually having the phone functionality for the entire global. What I mean by that is the phone functionality to other phones that are listed in there, to touchscreens, to the door station itself. Actually being able to leapfrog that jump one step further than anybody else. Not only bring it in-house and make it work all the time, but also take it to that next level where it really is intercom everywhere which is something we've asked for for decades so I mean <laughs> there's but no and and I do understand you know the the, the holdback of, of control for releasing that because believe me I was a control for dealer before they shipped their first amp 
and waited for six months until they shipped the thing after it was announced. So I know that what they're doing now is super successful in not pre-announcing, not pre-shipping, waiting till it's done, waiting till it's being tested. And I think um, it for us, it is a model changer. It is going to change a model of one of the way we do things. Speaking of the model change, Bob, obviously control force the first out the door with this first out of the gate how quickly <laughs> not not violating patents or anything else like that but how quickly do you expect to see some of the other manufacturers follow suit because they're going to have uh you know a a lock on this right now but this is something that everyone's walked wanted joe's talked about how important this is for dealers how long before we see other people start to follow suit on this I think fairly quickly, based on CE Pro data that we see with our brand analysis, we know that these doorbells are one of the hottest categories in the entire market. So based on that alone, that now that Control 4 has introduced their product, that other companies will quickly follow to uh, at least keep pace because they have to from a competitive standpoint. Very good. Brad, I'm going to wrap up with you. And, you know, you got to start the first one. You get to close this one. That's how it works. Um, this wasn't just, or, or I'm, I'm making the assumption that this wasn't just Control 4 looking at this saying, you know, the third-party doorbells sometimes have their, their inherent problems. We're going to make our own. This is more than just the doorbell. This is also the, you know, the true intercom anywhere side of it. Was this something that was, you know, grown in a lab? Or is this something that this was feedback from dealers, from users that made you guys look at it and say, you know what, the doorbell's good adding that'll be fantastic, but really this intercom anywhere concept is much bigger than just a doorbell. Oh yeah. Um, it, it definitely came out of feedback from dealers and, and consumers. But um, I think if you step back and put yourself in the shoes of a normal homeowner, it just becomes natural that you would want to integrate this type of functionality with the rest of your home. And we're in the fortunate position where we have the platform that enables us to do that. And I think that, you know, for the other, you know, the, the other alternatives that exist out there, the, the fact that they haven't been able to do it as extensively as us is less um, about them not having the desire and more a limitation of the size of an ecosystem. If you're a startup and all you do or, is sell a, a video doorbell, um, it's much harder to get out there and get the attention of enough manufacturers to have integration that's worth talking about. But when you have an integration capability of 12,000 third-party devices, you already have many devices inside of the home, like Control 4. Um, we have the ability to make that happen, right? And it's, I think it's great that you guys attribute some of the uh, success of Intercom Anywhere uh, shipping <laughs> Charlie um, but the reality is is that we have a great team and, and they've been working on it for quite some time and I think that the, the amount of time that the team took on this was the right thing to do um, and you can see that in the scale testing that we did um, I mean we had this we had it working um, nearly a year ago um, and it was working well but we wanted to make sure it would work really well everywhere um, and with any number of homes, we had to be able to scale around the world, but also support many concurrent phone calls simultaneously. 
you know, it's a little bit different experience than, you know, trying to, to just turn on a TV in a room, which we know we handle well and we scale. But handling tens of thousands of concurrent phone calls, you know, on the high end, or at least that was the target to test some of that scaling was really important to us because a homeowner wants to know that when somebody presses that doorbell, they're going to get that notification. They're going to be able to accept that phone call. And that's why the team took so much time to ensure that it really did work. Um, and it was out in, in the field in beta testing for quite some time. Very good. All right, let's move on to our next story. This comes to us from Variety. With its stock now up 32%, Sonos has mastered mastered its IPO. Now comes the hard part. If you read through this story, uh, they cover a lot of really important parts about the uh, the initial IPO from Sonos that came down on Friday, uh, specifically that they are almost trading at $20 a share as of close on Friday, which is a very successful IPO for them. Joe, I do want to start uh, this story with you because you and I have had quite a few Sonos conversations in the past uh, going up and down uh, that that line. But I do want to point out two just kind of quick things. One, there's a statement in here that they are a quiet company. It came from their senior uh, VP of corporate finance. And he's alluding that they're not as well known as we'd like to think they are. The thing that I found kind of really surprising is if you check the link on the story, which you'll, you'll see online, they don't even spell Sonos correctly on the link for the variety page. Uh, but specifically, when we start looking at this and they're talking about uh, Sonos being a quiet company, are we putting a lot more uh, value to just this story in general because we're within the industry? Does any general consumer really care that, that Sonos had an IPO? Does it matter to them? Man, to the general consumer, I would say maybe. And the only reason I say maybe is anybody... Uh, Control 4 is a good example, actually. Um, when IPO happens, we all know that that leads to some pocket change for development. I mean, it is just what it is, just a natural growth. Um, for, those, for you know, those of us who are old enough to remember, we know Sonos la launched in the early 2000s as a direct-to-best buy product with their own touchscreens. They've been around for forever. They invented wireless music. They're one of the very few companies that figured if we named our company something dumb like Sonos, if you have a soundbar and you flipped it upside down, it's still spelled the same thing. So, I mean, <laughs> they always had this interesting spin on the way Sonos does stuff. stuff. Their, their corporate culture is, is that of dreams. If you're part of that corporation, if you're not, then you're going to have some bad luck with it. Um, I actually talked to Andrew during uh, CDA exchange business exchange. And he said that there was some more, goodies and more great things coming from the cut to the custom market. Obviously we haven't seen it yet. He said it'll probably happen at Cedia um, after their last two announcements, the IPO. And then the one before that, they were going to try to push to sell more products directly through their app and through their web presence directly to consumers. I'm severely concerned. So I'm back to the, you know, the attitude I had last year, you know, hashtag Sonos doesn't care. Um, because that's that feeling I get. IPO is just another thing um, to lead me to feel that way. Honestly, I mean, Control 4 is the only one that I could say did an IPO and did it right that affected 
the uh, the you know the custom market in a good way. Um, I don't see much good coming out of this for us. Is a good way to put it. All right, Bob. One of the other statements that uh, Michael Groiner said. Uh, who again is their VP of corporate finance, was that this really doesn't change anything for their strategy, uh, specifically from a product roadmap perspective. But we know in the hit, you know, with most IPOs, we know that that's not always accurate because very quickly you have a lot more people involved who want to see returns. How much do we trust that this isn't going to change much from their strategic plan? I think that's what they say now. And what was it, Bill Parcells, who once said uh, uh, something along the lines of he's uh, he has every right to change his mind. I think that's their whole mindset. We, this, they may be saying that now, but let's see what happens in a year or 18 months from now. Um, Sonos is a very polarizing brand. It's a very popular brand. And um, as long as they continue to innovate, they might meet their strategic growth goals, but if they don't, we'll see how they react to that. Very good. Brad, you guys at, at Control4, you've gone through this procedure. You've been a privately held company that filed an IPO and went through, shall we say, the challenges um, of, of filing an IPO and, and becoming a public company and going through that. One of the biggest concerns that we have within a ch within the channel is that is now that they've filed an IPO, they're going to be even more concerned with you know the numbers and the figures and and how they're doing from a stock price that they may or may not be as concerned uh, even to to question how concerned they have been with our you know CI channel in the past. How did Control Four navigate that because you're still you're a publicly traded company. You do a lot of advertising both to the channel and to the end user. How did you maintain uh, the the love that you have within the CI channel while still going public? Yeah, it's that's a really good question. Um, from from our experience, um, you know, it, in some ways you have to separate the the path that a company chooses to finance their growth and their operations from their focus as a, as a business. Um, it has always been um, a hugely important thing to Martin and um, the executive team uh, to enable our dealer channel. We've always been laser focused on, on our dealer channel. And I think that that would be true even if we were um, private still today. Right. The reality is, is that the IPO for Control 4 was a way to fund this vision that we see. Um, and there are new external pressures on us, um, certainly, uh, because you have to, you, you are held accountable for your performance or your lack of performance in a, in a way that's different than when you're a private company. But that is somewhat separate from our dedication to the, the dealer channel. Um, and, you know, we have been very careful um, and very focused to not get distracted by the idea of going direct to consumers. Um, and, you know, and I think actually that the joining of, of Charlie Kindle to our business is another um, proof point that going direct to a consumer channel is not going to help you scale really quickly, mm -hmm. um, in, at least at this at this level. So by focusing on our, our business strengths and our core channel, 
um, and then letting the, the finance team and, uh, and those that are in that world worry about the IPO. That's how we've been able to make both successful, right? Very good. We will watch that. Colleen, one last question for you. Okay. What, one of the big things that uh, a lot of the stories that I read on Sonos, not just this variety story uh, in their IPO mentioned was <laughs> that they now have to navigate uh, essentially mainly being a hardware company. They sell a lot of boxes. They don't sell for their, or, sorry, they don't charge for their software. Uh, they currently have not licensed that software to anyone. They they cautioned um, against going down the road of you know GoPro and and all the other you know small tech companies that have had uh, a product or a single line of products and how poorly most of those companies do uh, on the market. How does Sonos navigate this from a from a, a hardware standing? Is this something where they have to continue to uh, grow and add more product? Is this something where they have to look at software licensing? You would have to assume that they can't just continue to go at the rate that they're going. I would think that they're going to have to really push that app, uh, you know, albeit they keep it free or they begin to charge for it. Uh, they're, they do play well with a lot of other products. They're, they currently well play well with uh, both Alexa and Apple with Google Assistant coming online at the end of the year. So I, I think they're, with that being a strong point of the story, I think that's really going to be their push is to push that app and interoperability with some of the other Internet of Things out there. Uh, it's going to allow them to, to to get some more awareness and help grow. Very good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We're going to end it there. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Bob, if people want to connect with you, uh, follow what you write, where can they do that? They can find me at cepro.com. Very good. Thanks again for joining us. Joe, as always, thanks for, for being here. If people want to connect with you, where can they do that? Uh, they can always find us online at The Thoughtful Home, uh, anywhere on social media, at Thoughtful Home. And you can always find me at CDM. Very good. Thanks again for being here. Colleen, thanks so much for, for joining us today. If people want to connect with you, learn more about your company, where can they do that? Uh, marketingmatters.net or at mmatterspr on social media. Very good. Thanks again. Brad, as always, thanks for joining us. And uh, imparting all your control for wisdom today. Uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Charlie coming on board, learn more about uh, Intercom Anywhere, all of that good stuff. Where can they do that? Uh, control4.com is a good place to go. And then also all the social, LinkedIn, Facebook, all kinds of good information there. Excellent. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avionation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 